This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, on Friday afternoon, here in Johannesburg, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Chukas. A very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you for taking a few minutes of your very busy Friday afternoon to listen to some words of inspiration, some words of Torah, hopefully something that we'll be able to take with us and make our Shabbos more meaningful, make our, our involvement with this week's Pasha something that will will uh, help us to grow. And of course, our Helcha Shabbos will inspire our better observance of the laws of, of Shabbos. Let's start with a story that is related to Tzedakah, but also has to do with this week's Pasha. Rav El-Yuchayim Meisel, who was the Rav of Lodz, was known his, his whole life. He took on the role of a Gabe Tzedakah, someone who would distribute charity in the community. And when it was necessary, so he would even uh, actually go to the houses of wealthy people, of, of wealthy people, to try to convince them to give money for various causes that he was collecting for at that time. And one time, Rav Meisel had to go visit a certain uh, Gavir, who was known throughout the whole city as a tremendously, tremendously stingy person who doesn't participate in any of the campaigns, in any of the fundraising for the worthy causes in the city. However, this time the Rav was able to speak to him passionately that the, the funds he was raising now was for a very, very, very well-known and distinguished wealthy person in the city who unfortunately had lost all his funds very, very suddenly and obviously was now very, very embarrassed to take money and they were secretly raising money for him to try to put him back on, on, on his feet. And this somehow found a, 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 a very, very, uh, uh, kind of, uh, accord in, in this person's personality and he gave quite a generous donation for that, for that person. However, it wasn't very much later that this uh, 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 wealthy, stingy, uh, uh, person began now to, to boast amongst his friends and, and his, uh, his relatives about the huge donation that he had given for so and so. And he named the, the person, uh, uh, through the, through the offices of, of the, of the Robin. Obviously, since the person who had received the money really, really wanted kept the secret and really didn't want the whole community knowing that he had lost all his money, was terribly, terribly, terribly embarrassed and, and, and hurt. And uh, until the point actually came where he had no choice, he had to, he ran to the Rav himself and asked him, please, please, if you could get involved and, and so to speak, shut this person up. They should stop, you should stop uh, 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 telling everyone the story. And, and, you know, these were literally acts of, of, of murder though being committed against his personality and he was so embarrassed and his whole, and his family was so, was so hurt and, and, and humiliated by what was going on. So Velio Chaim sent straight away and called this, this, uh, wealthy person and started to rebuke him for the, uh, how he had, how could he, how could he go and cause such a great degree of, of embarrassment to another, to another Jew and you know, what right did he have to, to, uh, to do this? And he says to him, it was this week's Pasha, he says, in, in this week's Pasha, we have a proof that what I'm saying is, is correct. Rashi writes on the first words of the Pasha, this is a chayk, an incomprehensible law. Rashi says, uh, the reason why the Torah calls this a, a chayk is why it's a gezeira Hashem says that from, from before me I have made this ironclad law that you have to do it and you have no permission at all to to wonder and, and, and think and, and question and question it and said Meisels this sentence of Rashi should be the pickup line for anyone who gives stucker. 
before you actually give the tzedakah, you have to know that this is giving tzedakah as an absolute obligation. It's a, it's a, something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has told us that we have to do in order to support those who, those who, uh, who need it. But on the other hand, once you've given the donation, you don't have any right to think about why did I give so much? Who did I give to? What, whether you need it or not, you've done the mitzvah, gandit. And especially if it's, if it's something that you're doing secretly without anyone knowing about it, that makes it even, even greater. We'll be back in a moment with much more about this week's Pasha and about Hilchus Shabbos. This is 11.9 Chai FM, soul to soul. We're coming right back. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, sold to sold, back on your radio here in Johannesburg, on a little chilly Arab Shabbos, Shabbos precious Chukas, uh, as we work through the month of Tammuz. Baruch Hashem, it's a short Friday, but always time to hear a nice, a nice Tavar Torah. So, in this week's Pasha, right after we have the whole discussion of the Paraduma, we read about the death of Miriam, Thomas Shom Miriam. Miriam died there. This was now year 40 of the Jews' sojourn in the Midbar. Batiko Bershom, and she was buried. And then straight after that, the, the Torah says, And there was no water for the, for the community to drink. And Chazal, the Gemara in, in Tainus, tells us, that what's the connection of Klal Yisrael's lack of water, which is connected somehow to Miriam's death, with the miraculous well, the, the Bershel Miriam, the miraculous well that accompanied them throughout their 40-year journey in the desert. He says, this well, right, which was called, as you said, the Beira Shell Miriam, Miriam's well, gave water in this chus, in the merit of Miriam Hanavia. So therefore, when she died, the well dried up. Now, the, the Zara Kaddish attributes the miracle of Miriam's well to her standing at the banks of the Nile River to ensure the safety of her infant brother, Meshavain who had been placed in a reed basket and hidden from the uh, Egyptian soldiers who were bent on murdering Jewish male infants. And due to this one act of caring that she exhibited, HaKadosh Baruch Hu miraculously provided the Jewish nation with water for 40 years in the, in the Midbar, in, in the wilderness. Now, there was another woman who performed a heroic act at the same time that Miriam stood at the river, and that was Basia or Bisya, two different ways of of uh, of uh, pronouncing it. Who was Paro's daughter, who saw the basket containing the infant Moshe in the water, and she stretched out her arm to pull it in. Right? And she went on to raise Moshe Rabbeinu in the palace. And she named him Moshe, right, to bring to mind that he was Moshui. He was drawn from, from the water. Now, Chazal teach that Moshe had as many as ten different names. Yet, the name by which he is recognized for all of eternity is Moshe. The name that was given to him by Basia Basparo. She saved Moshe's life. Therefore, she receives kind of the naming rights for this young Moshe Rabbeinu. By comparison, Miriam's reward seems to eclipse the reward received by, by Basia. The question that confronts us is, Whose act deserves greater recognition? Basia for saving Moshe or Miriam 
who watched kind of patiently by the water's edge. So, understandably, actually, saving a human life should be viewed on a higher level than merely standing by and watching what would occur. If so, why did Miriam warrant such an outstanding reward? That, that she was because of her that all of Klaisal had water for 40 years. So Rav Noyachwam learns from this that when Basia saved Moshe, she had no idea of the infant's identity. All she knew was that a child needed to be saved. And she stepped in and did what was expected of her. Miriam's concern was for Kaliso. Right? Therefore, one can say that she was waiting to see how things would play out, how Moshe would be saved growing up in, in, uh, in, in Basia's, in Basia's house. Miriam was able, Miriam Anavia was able to see things that others didn't see. So therefore she was privy to the fact that Moshe was, had already, it says that when he, when he was born, the whole house filled with light and he had illuminated their home literally at birth. So she knew from day one that Moshe was destined to be the Goyal, the, the redeemer of Kleiso, who would take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. Miriam was not merely watching a Jewish child, which certainly, see, in its own right, uh, uh, warrants a, a certain, a certain uh, uh, distinctive merit. She was waiting to see how things would materialize for the future leader of Kleiso, of of the Jewish nation. Basia, on the other hand, was acting on behalf of one Jewish child, given where she came from, given her sort of, her yichasu pedigree, this was an amazing act of selflessness, of courage, and self-sacrifice for Judaism. Because had her father discovered that she, the daughter of the, of the king, was busy uh, uh, saving Jewish lives, it could have been uh, a death sentence for 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 her, but uh, uh, and, and therefore it certainly was very 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 great. But at the end of the day, though, so we have two women standing next to the water. One is acting to ensure the survival of the entire Jewish nation. The other is protecting one Jewish child. Rav Weinberg kind of underscores, right, the, 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 the two different intentions and the consequent future ramifications. Basia's intent, we said, was to enslave one Jewish child. She succeeded. And the name that he carried was the name she gave him. Right? This was her reward. Miriam's Right, intention transformed her individual deed into a much greater act. She was thinking of Claudiusel. Thus, the nation was provided with water for their forty-year journey in the in the in the in the desert. All compliments of of the rock or the well that that carried her her name. You know. Our intentions really define our actions. Rav Weinberg's position is that uh, uh, this idea is, is especially relevant with regard to our, our davening. When one davens, we should broaden kind of the scope and the focus of his davening rather than just daven for yourself and your immediate family, he should daven for his community, for all of Kaiso. Kaiso is going through so many different crises now, be with the COVID, be with security issues, with everything. Daven for the whole cloud. And we, cause we see where one's intentions are then literally transformative. 
right? Have, and they have the ability to change yourself. One whose actions are focused inwards, so it, it will definitely have an effect. You will become a better person, but you'll remain a singular individual who lives for and transforms himself. And that's, that's amazing. It doesn't, however, compare with the individual who acts on behalf of Kaiso, whose every activity is intended globally. Such a person becomes a, I guess we call it a Kaiso mensch, like Miriam, like all the leaders of Kaiso, right? We do not live for, for ourselves. We live for and serve at the, the, the pleasure of Therefore, our intentions should focus on the larger picture, not just on ourselves, but on all of scholars. Everything we do, if we can do it on behalf of the entire Jewish nation, then it not only transforms us, but it has amazing, huge ramifications for the entire cloud, wherever they may be, whatever they might be facing, and in any situation where they need our help. Our actions, single-handedly, can make a difference in their lives. This is 11.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with some words about the Parah Adua. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. Back on your radio here. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Chukas, as we move through the month of Tammuz. A little bit cool outside, but enough time to get ready for a short Shabbos coming, coming quickly. And let's learn a little bit of Torah together. Let's learn about the Paraduma. And Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron saying, This is a chayk of the Torah, which Hashem commanded. And it goes on to describe the process of the Paraduma, of the red heifer that was used as a means of purifying Anyone who had come in contact with a dead body or even part of a dead body, blood from a dead body, and needed to become pure again, had to be sprinkled with special water and, and, uh, and the ashes from, from the Paraduma. So all the commentaries ask, why is this called Chukas Hatayra? A Chayk of the whole, of the whole Torah. It should be, this is the Chayk involving the Paraduma, talking about the specific mitzvah that we're about to, to discuss, and many of the commentaries ask this, the Kliyokar ask this, and, and, and they, and they discuss it. Perhaps we can explain it on that, uh, which we've actually mentioned in, in, uh, in several other occasions. We, you know, many people have the custom, not so much in, in our community, to before they do a mitzvah, they say, may it be the will of Hashem, Shetei Chashuva Mitzvah Zu, that this mitzvah should be considered ki'ilu ki'amteh as if I have fulfilled it b'chol proter with all its details v'tik to care and its exact uh, 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 precision v'kavanaseh all the intentions v'tariyag mitzvahs hatluyimba and the other six hundred and thirty mitzvahs that are connected to it and, and what 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 the prayer means is that in reality all the mitzvahs. Are, are, are all one totality. The 613 mitzvahs are one complete entity of all the mitzvahs. And therefore, when I'm keeping one mitzvah, I'm in effect keeping, making a contribution to this entire, entire uh, 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 system of all the tariq mitzvahs. And that's, in fact, is relevant also to the whole concept of, of, uh, of learning, of learning Torah. When a person, let's say, finishes the first Masechta, he started Dafyomi, and he finished the first Masechta of, of Brachas. So, even if he, Baruch Hashem, he merits to know and to remember the whole Masechta by heart, let's say. But still, you can't say that he has a complete knowledge of Masechta's Brachas, because really, to truly understand every all the implications of everything that's in Masechus Brachas, you'd need to learn all the other Masechus in all of Shas, and then really you can understand uh, 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 Masechus Brachas 
in absolute clarity. Because in order to understand, let's say, Meseches Brochus, you have to learn all the Meseches, because all the Torah is, is, is connected and, and intertwined, and in the Gemara Brochus will raise many, many topics that may not be discussed fully. There may be other places in Shas where those matters are really, really fleshed out and, and, and discussed, and therefore you need the totality of, of all of, uh, of Shas, right? As, as in fact, the, the, the Gemara says that, uh, uh, in fact, I think it's Yushalmi that says it's, uh, uh, you have a, a, a topic that's just cursely mentioned without going into detail, and elsewhere, the Torah really goes into detail and explains it very well. Now, again, this is not even just by learning Torah, that was just really just an example, but by all the other mitzvahs also, that it's impossible to do even one mitzvah totally, completely, unless you also fulfill all the other uh, 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 612 mitzvahs. Why? Because every single mitzvah is is connected with a very strong bond with all the other mitzvahs. And so long as you haven't fulfilled all the other mitzvahs, somehow there's something lacking in even the mitzvah that you've, that you've done. And therefore, when we by a, by a bris mila. So we give the child who's having a bris a bracha, and we say, kishem la bris, just like you fulfilled the mitzvah of entering into the covenant of Klaiso. So, uh, this galakayim, and, 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 and that's which is the very, very first mitzvah of your life. So we give, we give him a bracha that he should be zoyche to fulfill, right, the mitzvah of bris mila in, in, in totality. And that can only be by keeping the other 612 mitzvahs which are connected to it. And therefore we give him a bracha, just like you went to the bris. So, so you'll learn all of Torah, you'll do chupa, you'll do all kinds of good deeds. And through that, then the mitzvah of bris mil that he fulfilled today will become a complete, a complete mitzvah. And with this, we can also understand what the Gemara says in in the Sanhedrin on Daf Kuf Yud Aleph Amar There's an argument there between Rabbi Yochanan and and Resh Lakish as how to understand the pasuk. Is the pasuk in Yeshaya Perakei, uh, which says uh, it says Para Pia Levale Levale Chok, and and there are two different ways of explaining it. Reish Lakish holds that if, if there's if a person who even left out one mitzvah of the Torah, he did two, 612, he left one mitzvah out, he's going to have to be judged in, in Gehenim. And Rav Yochanan says exactly the way around. It says even if a person just fulfilled one mitzvah, he's saved. He's saved from Gehenna. Those are the two opinions seem to be completely opposite from each other. And the truth is, as we say, they're both completely correct. Because it's true that in order to actually be able to fulfill even one mitzvah with absolute completeness, you need to fulfill all the other 612 mitzvahs that are connected to it. And without that, there will be a lack, there'll be a deficiency, even in that first mitzvah that you, that you kept. And therefore, that's why we daven before we do a mitzvah, that this mitzvah should be choshev and accepted before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as if I kept all the details, right, all the exact, precise, uh, needs, and the Tariyag mitzvah satluyimba, and the other 630 mitzvahs that are connected uh, uh, to to it. Now, Reish Lakish says that even if you're missing one mitzvah, you go to Gehenim. Is that even if someone who left one mitzvah out, he goes to Gehenim? Why? Because it comes out that even the very first mitzvah that he fulfilled was not fulfilled completely because there's a piece missing, and and that's what it's saying. And Rav Yochanan says no. 
that even if I just fulfilled one mitzvah and I did one mitzvah completely, that saves me from from uh, from Gehenna. And and that in fact may may actually be the the machlekes. Do I need to do one mitzvah in absolute completion, i.e., uh, with all the other six hundred and twelve mitzvahs, and uh, and uh, and then and it's only relevant if I fulfill all the mitzvahs, or that it's enough to fulfill even one portion of one mitzvah, and therefore, even if I just keep one mitzvah without the other 612 mitzvahs, you're already saved from getting. That would be the opinion of, 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 of Rabbi Yechanan, that even if I just did one mitzvah without connecting it to the other 612 in itself as a standalone would be enough to save me, to save me from, from, from Gehenna. Now, Chazal tell us, uh, to explain, Shlomo Melech says in, in Kohelis, that Amati Echema, I said, I'm, I'm a very, very intelligent person, but the he many. This one, referring to the Paraduma, is, is beyond me. Right? As, as the Medish Rabbah says also, Shlomo says, right? All the other mitzvahs, I understand and I thought of, and I thought about it and I have a handle on what they're about. But this whole discussion of the Paraduma, I investigated it and I worked on it and I was, I made drushes on it and I, I examined it and after turning it over and looking at it from all sides, I concluded that the hero this one is beyond my, my comprehension. And perhaps can explain that the, his intention is that we say that the, the, to, to be able to properly complete a mitzvah is only when I, I, I use all three aspects of human endeavor, which are machshava, thought, dibur, speech, and maisa, and action. And I have to understand the reasons and the deep, the deep insight into what the mitzvah is about. And when I do a mitzvah with the correct kavanas and I do the actions properly, so then that's called fulfilling a mitzvah completely. And therefore, Shlomo Melech investigated all the 613 mitzvahs to understand the, the deep reasons of the mitzvah and the secrets behind it, because so long as he didn't understand the reasons and, and the secrets of all the 630 mitzvahs, so this is then an indication that he didn't understand properly even one mitzvah, because all the mitzvahs are tied together. Right? And therefore, when Shlomo Melch got to the mitzvah of Paraduma, and he couldn't understand the reason or the deep implications behind it, he said, therefore, this one is far away from me, and therefore it really means that all the 630 mitzvahs are all distant from me, because once I'm missing one, I'm, I'm missing the handle on the whole, on the whole, on the whole system. And that's in fact what the, what the Hassan Seifer brings down quite explicitly. In, in, in his drushes, and he's, he says, uh, uh, in, in, uh, quotes, he quotes the Pinkas HaGodlo, the great big notebook of, uh, on the Torah, in Pashas Chukas, in the year Tof Kuf Pei Zion, that's, uh, that's, uh, nearly 200 years ago, right? Kasamarin was a Lashon, he says, this is what he says, what is Zeishuk HaSatera? Right? So what's, why does it say, as he asked the same question, why does it say chukas ha and not chukas ha-para or chukas ha-tara? Right? Or as we said elsewhere, zoi chukas ha-pesach. Why does it mention the mitzvah? So he answers, because since Lamimel said, this mitzvah is beyond me, and what I think that means is, says Rasm Seifer, is that referring to the whole Torah, because Lamimel who went into depth with his great chokhmah to understand and to try to attain the reasons of the entire Torah. And he thought 
that he could sort of connect with the with the reasoning of the Rabbi Shlenim to understand the deep meaning of all the mitzvahs. But since he got to the Parah Duma and he saw that you cannot understand this mitzvah and understand its 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 deep secrets, then he knew that in fact all mitzvahs there, there there are aspects of it that are way beyond his ability to understand that even his great seichel couldn't get that far because certainly there's no no there's no mitzvah you can't have such thing with a, a cow without without a reason. Because it would be, it would be sort of Khalil Chas Shalom that a, 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 a king like our Akadish Baruch Hu to make us do something without a, a real reason. It must be that it's just so deep that no one, no one could find it. And therefore, he now was able to understand even, even retroactively that he still did not understand, in fact, any of, of, of the mitzvahs and all of them are distant from him, and human intellect doesn't have the ability to understand any any uh, any of that. And all the reasons that we do understand and that we do try to use to apply to the mitzvah. So so yeah, we we, we fool ourselves. Yeah, we understand mitzvah. Yeah, we understand on a very superficial level, but we haven't even begin began to plumb the depths of any mitzvah. And therefore, uh, uh, Shlomo Melech said that. Uh, I thought I knew the Chachmah when I came to, to Paraduma and I saw how distant it, it was from me. And, and I was not only this mitzvah, but the whole, the whole Torah. So then I realized that I hadn't even begun my, 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 uh, my Lima Torah, uh, because I couldn't understand this mitzvah, which means I didn't understand anything. Now, so if, if that's so, now we face a very, very huge brick wall. And that is a very, very strong question. Then how can we ever be able to fulfill even one mitzvah properly? It would seem that there's absolutely not even a possibility how to fulfill even one mitzvah completely with all the kavanas and all the deep secrets because if we're not, if it's impossible for us to understand the reasons and the deep secrets of, let's say, the mitzvah paraduma, so we just said that it then comes out that we don't understand the reasons of any of 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 the mitzvahs. So how can we ever fulfill mitzvah properly? So we need to know that the the Bali Kabbalah tell us that there are fifty gates of understanding. And Shlomo Melech couldn't attain all 50 gates. Only Moshe Rabbeinu was able to attain properly all the 50 gates of, of understanding. And therefore, he was able to understand the reasons behind the, the, the Paraduma, even though no one else, no one else possibly Possibly, uh, uh, could, because the, as you said, the, 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 the secret of the Paraduma is, uh, is in that 50th, uh, uh, gate of the Torah. And because it's only in when one gets that 50th gate that one is able to truly understand the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the absolute nothingness of, of a human, of a human body, of, you know, it's greatness of Hashem and our own smallness. And only someone who is absolutely perfect and absolutely complete on, on, in, in his own midas and, and realizing his own uh, a lack of, of anything, lack of being anything, and is a, and is a total state of, of modesty. So only he is able to get into that, into that gate. And therefore it was only Moshe Rabbeinu where the Torah testifies upon him that Vaish Moshe, Anav Moed Moshe was an incredibly modest person from Ikala Adam, so only he was able to get into this, into this, uh, into this gate. But someone who's not on that level will never be able to fulfill the mitzvah, any mitzvah, by, achi- by achieving uh, access into this 50th, 50th gate. And only in that itself, 
by by realizing and and recognizing that I don't have the ability to understand the mitzvahs properly, and I still don't really understand the the, the depth of the reasons of the Torah and and the depth of the greatness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So that itself. That a person realizing and understanding that, that stands for him in the place of actually accessing the 50th gate. And therefore, it, we have the mitzvah of Paraduma, which everyone understands, that you can never understand its depth. And since all the other 613 mitzvahs are connected to it, so this then is 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 an influence on all the other Tariq mitzvahs that we should all fulfill all the mitzvahs with the knowledge that we haven't the slightest idea of why the mitzvah is what the mitzvah is about and we're not able to fulfill it properly, right? Because it's it's the the root of all the mitzvahs comes from this comes from, from comes from this paraduma which is the fiftieth level of. Of the Torah, and then we can fulfill fulfill mitzvahs, and that's what it says in uh, uh, the Bnei Sacha says in in Agud de Perka. He says, and that's what uh, he says he he received from his uncle and his, uh, his uh, who was Harav Hakadosh Mein Harav Eli Melech Miluzinsk, right? Noim Eli Melech. He says that we have to agree. We we have to sort of uh, uh, come to the conclusion that. Any action that that a, that a person will do is definitely going to be lacking perfection, because only Hakadosh Baruch Hu is perfect. And when a person looks at the mitzvahs he does and the Torah he learns, and if he thinks he's doing it without a chesaron, so then he's fooling himself, and and then the whole ma'aser is absolutely is absolutely uh, uh, corrupt. We understand that. But yet, it, with that understanding, we stand up to, to, to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to do the mitzvahs. And we learn this lesson of the Parah Aduma. And we apply it to everything. And therefore, we can understand why it says, Because since it's impossible to understand the reason of the Parah Aduma, that then is a, is a model for all the other mitzvahs, which we never really understand. And we do the mitzvah with that full knowledge, and that allows us to do the mitzvah as if we have full understanding and we get full credit for the mitzvahs that we're doing. 101.9 Chayefim, soul to soul. We'll be back on your radio with our Hilchos Shabbos segment in just a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9, Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Chukas, Tav, Shin, Pei, Aleph, as we get ready for another beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. And as we do at this point on the program, always just to give you the important details that you need for this coming Shabbos, Be'ez Hashem, uh, the earliest time for lighting candles this afternoon is 18 minutes past four, literally an hour and a half from now. You can already start your, your Shabbos and get, get into the, the vibe, into the, in, in the atmosphere, into the environment of what a true Shabbos is supposed to be and make it a beautiful long, long evening. If you're not going to be ready by then, the latest time for benching Lich this week is at six minutes past five, five or six. You see, it's already getting later. Believe it or not, summer is coming. It's not going to be, it's not far away. Um, uh, 5.06 is the earliest time for, is, is, sorry, is the latest time for lich benching. Shkia, therefore, is at 5.24. Make sure that you're well done before that time so that you can fulfill the mitzvah of adding on to, to Shabbos because that's a very special mitzvah not to sort of come screeching at the last moment to stop a bit earlier and accept and accept the Shabbos. So therefore, if you want to daven Mayrev and not have to repeat the Shema, particularly now if you're davening at at home, you might want to wait and be able to say Krishma in the correct time. Five forty-two is already night, and therefore you can say Krishma without without uh, a, a repetition. Again, now that we're davening at uh, at home, it's even easier 
to start Shabbos earlier, daven uh, as one is, and and then uh, begin the the Shabbos meal. Gives you a really really a wonderful opportunity to spend time with the with the family. Uh, right uh, tomorrow morning is as we say Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Chukas. It's just Chukas alone, just the way the calendar falls this year. We don't have to read those two as a as a double pasha, Chukas and Balak. Do Chukas this week and Balak next week, and therefore the Haftarah is the normal Haftarah of of Chukas. Very very interesting story from from the book of of Shoftim to to read and try to understand what's what's uh, what's going on there with Yiftach Hagiladi and uh, and right tomorrow afternoon the the Perik for this week is Perik Hey fifth Perik of of Perikiyavus Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at five fifty eight two minutes before six o'clock is the end of is the end of of Shabbos and then we go into another beautiful week just a heads up reminder uh sunday a week sunday is will be the 17th of of tammuz uh, and that then is the uh beginning of the three week mourning period but we'll probably talk more about that next next week just to give you a sort of a a heads up of of what is of what is coming we are dealing with the laws of preparation for for shabbos and there's all simon in 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 the shulchan aruch about the fact that some of the prohibitions of of Shabbos kind of take effect on Shabbos alone, and 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 therefore, if the prohibitions of Shabbos seem to be unique to Shabbos alone, based on that, it would be permitted for a person, let's say, to leave on Friday. To go on some kind of an excursion, some kind of a, a, a tiyul, in, even in a place that's very, very dangerous, and carry on his, his, uh, kind of hike or, or journey until literally a minute before Shabbos. And when Shabbos starts, now you can say, Oi, I got a problem. I'm here in a very, very dangerous spot, very dangerous place. I can't sit here and, and keep and keep Shabbos. We know, everyone knows, Pikuach Nefesh pushes aside Shabbos. Danger to life pushes aside Shabbos. And therefore, in order to be saved from this, uh, this danger, I need to continue traveling to a, to a safe, to a, uh, 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 the nearest city or the nearest established area to get out of the dangerous uh, situation. But practically speaking, if a person is already found in a dangerous situation on Shabbos. So you're right. So then he would be allowed even to break Shabbos in order to save himself from the already existing dangerous situation. But to in the first instance, it's forbidden for a Jew to put himself into a dangerous situation where he would need afterwards to break, to break Shabbos. And therefore, Achachamim have said that already from Wednesday, because Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we know are already days that are attached to the next Shabbos, that already from Wednesday, a year already has to plan his actions and his itinerary in such a way that he should not cause himself afterwards to be in a situation where he might have to break Shabbos. Therefore, from Wednesday and onwards, Chazal forbade a person to embark on a sea journey for, we're talking about for pleasure, let's say for his own, for his own, uh, uh, entertainment, his own holiday, right? To go on, 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 on touring, whatever it is. It's forbidden to begin a sea journey already from Wednesday. And, this uh, prohibition would exist even when all the sailors, all the employees on the sh- on the ship, are non-Jews. There's several reasons given for this. Number one, there could chas v'shalom 
uh, uh, evolve a situation that might be pikuach nefesh, that might be danger to life, and then the Jew might have to perform certain activities that are forbidden to perform on, on Shabbos, and they might even be activities forbidden from the Torah in order to help the, the, the ship to, uh, to float or whatever to carry on. Even if there's no chance that the, the sailors will need his help in any kind of uh, uh, a situation of emergency. So if at least half the, the, the passengers are Jews, so then it comes out that whatever the sailors are doing, they're doing for Jews on, on Shabbos. And Chachamim have decreed that it's forbidden for a Jew to have any benefit from work that a non-Jew does for him on, on Shabbos. Number three, even if most of the passengers on the ship would be non-Jews, if the, uh, uh, the ship would set, would set sail, or set sail, and there is uh, and and the water there is quite quite shallow water, and there's a situation where there might not be, let's say, a meter between the bottom of the ship to the seabeds. So then you could be uh, violating the prohibition of going out of the tchum, the two thousand amat tchum on on Shabbos. Another reason, even if, let's say, the ship is going to be floating in much, much deeper uh, uh, water, or it's just floating along in the, in, the, in the midst of the sea, which is very, very deep, still, there is another problem here. And that is, um, most people, when they set out on a sea journey, particularly for the first couple of days, it takes a while to get one's uh, sea legs going, and often for the first couple of days, uh, people are are not are they quite seasick. They have motion sickness from from the uh, from the, the movement of of the of the sea, and therefore, uh, if he sees, if he sets sail uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and and they put the chalent down in front of him Shabbos morning. He's not necessarily going to enjoy, and therefore he's not going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of of Einig of Einig Shabbos. If none of these reasons would apply, for example, uh, all the sailors and most of the passengers are non-Jews, and in no way they're going to ask the Jew to have to help them in any situation, and they're they're going in in deep in deep water and it's a nice big steady ship and therefore you might not even you might not even uh, suffer at all it's like you don't even realize that the ship is 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 moving right and you'll be able to fulfill therefore the mitzvahs of Oynik Shabbos in such a situation you'd be allowed to go on such a ship even one minute before Shabbos Shabbos starts right and even if that uh, journey is for a, a, a holiday, um, then then uh, uh, you'd be allowed to do it during right. Uh, uh, you'd be allowed to do it because none of these problems exist. We'll come back with a closing comment in a moment. This is one one point nine Chai FM Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine Chai FM. 1.9 back on your radio. We're talking about Hilchas Shabbos. We're talking about uh, starting your cruise before Shabbos. So certainly on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, won't be allowed to embark on a even a pleasure sea journey, even if all the issues we discussed before are relevant. You might come to do prohibitions on on Shabbos because. On the first three days of the week, a person does not have to somehow limit his actions 
because he has to worry about something that might happen later on that cause that cause Chilo Shabbos or a situation <coughs> where you won't be able to enjoy Shabbos uh, uh, properly. However, if it's absolutely clear, even if you leave on Sunday, that there is going to be Chilo Shabbos, so then many of the other Rishon, including Shulchan Aruch himself, uh, uh, want to say that uh, that uh, um, you could go in the first three days, even though you know there's going to be Chil Shabbos. Others do do uh, do argue. Now, if one is embarking on a journey for a mitzvah, so then, and and uh, and you're you're embarking on a ship that belongs uh, uh, to to Jews. Right, so then, even though we said you can't leave usually on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in order that you shouldn't have any problems on Shabbos in terms of possible chil of Shabbos or not enjoying Shabbos, so we said that's only when it's for a optional trip, but where you need to take this under uh, undertake this journey for a mitzvah purpose, and the ship belongs to non-Jews, so then you'll be allowed to leave even on. Erev Shabbos. Now, some say that you would actually need to sort of appoint, uh, go up to the captain and actually uh, discuss with him the possibility that he should dock the ship on Shabbos. And if the uh, captain won't agree, which of course he won't, then you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't set sail with him. But most of the pies can hold that even if the the, the sort of the non-Jewish uh, 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 captain is not going to agree to commit himself to docking the ship on Shabbos. You're allowed to go if the purpose is a a a, a journey. If to leave on Shabbos itself, even in the ship belonging to non-Jews for a mitzvah, one's not allowed to go because Chazal made a, a, a gezerah that you cannot go on water on on Shabbos because you might come to fix a sail or something along those uh, those 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 lines um and if the time of the of the of the, of the uh, departure is fixed beyond Shabbos so what you could do is you could go on the ship before Shabbos stay there until the time the ship embarks some even say that all you have to do is uh, uh, stay there till the beginning of Shabbos and then go home, spend the night there and come back to the Shabbos, come back to the ship just before the, the departure time and one would not have to uh, uh, protest uh, uh, against someone who, who does who does, uh, who does that. Okay, that's about all the time we have this week. just want to wish each and one of you a very warm and inviting Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos full of Torah, Zmiris, Good food, good atmosphere, and, and shalom bias, and bez Hashem, we should be zerch again next week to get together and learn some more Torah. Wishing all of our radio family a beautiful, warm, and inspiring good Shabbos.